0: I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood, as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard
1: and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that
0: you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. Um, we are continuing our series on Road to Baby. Um, today we're going to be talking about labor and delivery. Um, so the end goal of every pregnancy is labor mm-hmm. and delivery. Um, we're going to talk about the stages of labor and how to prepare for labor and just like what all to of the expect. Things, what to expect. Yeah. Um, Amanda's been going through some really awesome courses that mm-hmm. I know she wants to share with you guys um so yeah let's just get right into it we could start with the stages of labor well first
1: before we even get started i i said this on our stories but i was as i was talking i was like wow that's pretty unique so i started labor i did 86 hours of labor started in a birthing center Um, well i did a lot of it at home but Mm -hmm. then i went to a birthing center pushed for hours naturally. So then I went with an epidural and Pitocin and then I ended yeah. up in C section. You I did all of it. Yeah. But you were in there and you did the Pitocin without the epidural. Yes. And then, so we've like done all like anything yeah. that you could possibly know <laughs> I know want I was in, in labor for about 30 hours
0: <laughs> and most of that was just with the Pitocin, no yeah. epidural. And then towards the end it was like everything and c-section yeah so we've, well we've recovered from yeah we've done a lot, a lot. and while <laughs> neither of us
1: have like experienced the ring of fire right because we right. Didn't end up delivering the way we wanted to i think that's pretty unique that we can speak to so many different areas so let's just get into mm-hmm. it and talk about it because i thought that was yeah that's a good. as point. i was talking that was pretty cool we talked a little bit last episode about um like inactive or prodromal la- labor versus
0: active labor so i don't know how much we really need to yeah. Distinguish between the two. Basically it's painful and frustrating and not productive and not productive. exhausting. Um, <laughs>
1: but there is a reason why, especially like with prodromal labor, um, it's like it's almost like a, a pre labor to get your baby into the right position. Mm. So with Noah, once, you know, they did the C section, they told me his um his neck was arched back, so his face was in my cervix. Oh. And so for me, the reason I was probably in prodromal labor for two days was because my body was trying to fix that. So that there's, sense. A, there's a purpose to it. It's just not thinning and opening your cervix. Right. So once you get into active labor, that's when your cervix starts to thin out and, mm-hmm. you know, baby starts to descend a little bit more. And you will know, you know, at first you're going to be questioning like, am I in active labor? Is, is... No, you're going to know mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're in active labor because it becomes a lot more intense the the um contractions you'll feel in your belly will be much much different than yeah. like prodromal prodromal it's kind of like really uncomfortable braxton hicks mm-hmm. i would
0: say still not fun and a lot more consistent yeah so when you are transitioning into active labor some people their water breaks right away sometimes it's just contractions that are um, steady and consistently certain time frames apart from each other and you don't necessarily want to like rush to the hospital in that situation. No, no, because um,
1: I, honestly, I and I spoke with my doula about this. She says I like to get girls to the hospital when they're eight to nine centimeters. Yeah. Um, Because when you change environment, your labor will stall. I don't think people are prepared for that. When a new person comes into the room, when you drive to the hospital, when you drive to the birthing center, whatever it is, when your environment changes, you can expect at least a 30-minute stall in labor Mm -hmm. because your body gets out. Birth is a parasympathetic process, and your body goes into a sympathetic process when you when you change environment so yeah. it, it has to relax back into yeah. it it's trying so. to protect
0: you from not having your baby in the yeah. car
1: yeah the farther you go I mean and that's if maybe you're birthing naturally I guess if you're doing an epidural you might just want to get there as fast right. as possible that's <laughs> true, actually because
0: so. you could get there too late for an epidural
1: yeah so maybe don't listen to us if you're planning an <laughs> that's <epidural. laughs> true
0: that's actually so true um it's just the only reason you wouldn't want to rush to the hospital is if you're looking for more of a low intervention birth, mm-hmm. because a lot of times if you're not dilated to a certain measure, you're not even going to be able to get admitted and have your own room. So they might mm-hmm. tell you to like walk the halls or go on a walk or come back. Um, so it's kind of like if you want to deliver your baby there, we could talk about, you know, what we can do in the early stages. That doesn't necessarily yeah. mean going to the hospital. Yeah. Um, so we could talk about that a little bit staying comfortable at your home and finding some um good ways to progress labor yeah
1: um the biggest thing you're gonna do to stay comfortable at home is mentally prepare yeah you you have i mean birth is 90 percent like a mental game Mm -hmm. because you have to keep your body relaxed and your mind relaxed if you want to birth your baby naturally because if you're fighting it if you're panicking if you're tightening your pelvic floor baby's not going to come out and that's where like failure to progress comes in yeah um The fun thing about labor is the driver of labor, the driver of like uterine contractions is oxytocin. Mm -hmm. Um, Oxytocin is the love hormone. So if you can relax your body and like embrace those surges, you're gonna get big pushes of of oxytocin, which um, will also kind of accelerate your your release of endorphins, which is like a natural pain control. Right. But the opposite of that is adrenaline. So if you get mm-hmm. in, like I said earlier, birth is a parasympathetic process. If you're in fight or flight and you're releasing adrenaline, your body is going to say, this isn't a safe place for me to birth my baby. And labor is going to stall. So
0: yeah. um, I know I always found that to be so interesting that your body can like regress so you can mm-hmm. make progress. And then if you're not feeling safe, and not in a safe environment. It's like our body's way of being like, okay, maybe we don't have our baby right here or right now. So you, being relaxed and being in, a, in an environment where you trust all of the providers that you're around, whether that be your doula or your OB or your midwife, um even your husband, whoever's going to be around you that you can trust that they will also be able to keep you calm and be on the same page with what you're looking for, I think makes a huge difference in feeling safe or not.
1: Yeah, 100%. And when you're laboring at home, there are things you can do
0: to stay relaxed, stay
1: comfortable. So some of the things, like, I plan on doing, um, one is a bathtub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like getting in Now, getting into Water. the bathtub a little early can be um, – because it makes you relax so much. I, I remember at my birthing center, I'm like, we want to make sure you're getting in the bath at the right time because we don't want this to – Push you into like a stall of labor so maybe work with your doula on that mm-hmm. if you're going to be at
0: home laboring but uh, bathtub shower that they Showers, did say i was going to say if you're still like standing up or even yeah. like sitting in like a squat position in the shower yeah. different shower um or like nipple stimulation if you have like a pump or if you just are with your husband <laughs> i've heard like the same energy that makes the baby in the first place gets the baby out mm-hmm. so however you can stay just like calm and relaxed and I mean, I don't know how many women would actually feel like doing any of those things, but yeah, if I mean, you're and still then, at home.
1: Yeah, and there's also like the the comb method. So you put, you yeah. get like a fine tooth comb, and you put it right at the crease of your fingers where they meet your palm, mm-hmm. squeeze down on that. Um, but I think, like I said, most of it is just a mind game. And I've been taking, we'll talk a little bit about the pain free birth course later, but I've been taking that course, and hypnobirthing kind of teaches the same thing, where it's like, if you can literally relax every muscle in your body during a contraction they're not going to hurt yeah they're going to feel uncomfortable right. it's not like this is something that you're gonna like be begging to do tomorrow after you did it today but
0: well there's less tension
1: yes fighting against the progression exactly. so um i really do recommend taking a course because yeah. it can prepare you for what to expect so like keeping your body relaxed and ways you can do that um I, your environment is huge we we've already talked about like feeling safe but like having and we'll t- i know we you have a bullet to talk about later but like a birth playlist um, having birth affirmations written and placed around the room. Mm -hmm. I plan on like making a voice recording to myself of like, so pop my headphones in and listen to me, call me down because I know how to call me down. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, um, but also my doula is bringing um, at our next prenatal appointment, a TENS unit. Mm -hmm. So, and you can get a TENS unit like anywhere you can get one, I'm sure on Amazon, but um, a TENS unit, because especially if you end up in like back labor, um attending it can be really good it's kind of like a
0: distraction yeah against the pain um I mean your doula is going to be awesome for helping with pain management too like counter pressure is so helpful and like coaching your husband through it coaching your husband yeah and then there's also like a um like a sling method that some doulas Mm -hmm. will use that kind of just like rebozo yes so that has that honestly helped me so much when I was in labor um So, and if you are at the hospital, I know, like, even having, like, a peanut ball or a yoga ball, um, just to, like, have, be in that position for baby to descend. Yeah, and positions are everything, because, Mm -hmm. like, if you
1: can get into a position where your muscles can relax, and I said this on a previous episode, for me right now, it's, like, on all fours. I wouldn't be surprised if I give birth on all fours, because that's, like, the position I'm in for at least an hour a day yeah
0: (laughs) it makes sense because it opens up your pelvic Mm -hmm. floor and it like relaxes your back and And your belly just like drops and i can breathe it's true (laughs) takes all the pressure (laughs) off of all your organs Mm -hmm. um yeah but with that i mean i think it's important to know when you should be calling your birth team i know a lot of doulas have a time frame you can always add on to but i think what's typical is like 12 hours and then mm. you can always like add on to that, but utilizing that to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're having a home birth, when to call your midwife. If you're, um, you know, going into the hospital, when to make that call. I yeah, think and once those you get into the third trimester,
1: they're going to like coach you through that. They're going to yeah. tell you. Now, if you're doing the OB route, but you still want to do natural, then maybe I think they have you come in a little bit early. Um, the other thing that they'll tell you is like, <laughs> When your water breaks, call. You don't have to call when your water breaks. Your chances of infection, I forget, I looked up the stats because I know you like stats.
0: They are low. They're so yeah. so low. So if you're an
1: easily, easily fix with an antibiotic. Yeah, well, and like the thing is the vagina is not a sponge. It is it seals. So like unless you're putting things up there. I really wouldn't
0: worry about it like cervical checks and folly bulbs yes. and stuff that they yeah that shouldn't that's, be going up yeah there.
1: that's where infection comes into play but if you're like just not doing anything i and my midwife with noah even recommended if your water breaks at home and you're still having to labor at home just don't get in the tub yeah um once the water breaks and
0: honestly i will say with how like strict the hospital was that i gave birth at and how like forceful they were about things that was one thing they weren't freaking me out about good was my water being broke they broke my water before I was even a centimeter dilated which is just like not evidence-based care but um they did not make me feel like I was on a clock as far as Uh, my water breaking i remember at one point i did reach the 24 hour mark and my ob even said like it's not that big of a deal like we're not gonna say this is this is it now you need to like be done with labor yeah um so i thought that was kind of like with how crazy they were about things the fact that that wasn't something they stressed about i think is interesting to note
1: if your water breaks and it's not dark and it doesn't have an odor right you're fine yeah um, yeah, th- that reminds me too of losing your mucus
0: plug. Yes.
1: Um, that does not indicate that you're in labor.
0: <laughs> Cause it can grow right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. um, and, and a lot of times it is a sign that labor is coming mm-hmm. does not mean you're in labor. I wouldn't, you know, maybe if you have a midwife, send her a picture, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird glob of cerv- cervical, mucus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has no meaning in terms of when labor is going to start. So don't panic if that happens. Right. Um, so let's talk about if you're not doing a home birth and you're going into the hospital. Um, something that's super common when you go into a hospital or even a birthing center is vaginal exams. Yeah. So typically they'll do a vaginal exam when you get in um, because you have to be a certain amount of centimeters dilated to get a bed to get a, to get into labor and delivery. Um, but after that, they really like to do them a lot. And let me just tell you right now, as someone who – I'm a sexual abuse survivor, so this is a screening question I have for any mm. of my birth team is, you may not touch me. Yeah. <laughs> so like – and and cervical checks, I think, or vaginal exams, they're, they're – I wouldn't say pointless, but you can be 4 centimeters and 30 minutes later you're 10 and you deliver, or you could be 8 centimeters and then you're
0: still going to have two or three days. And it's almost kind of like – discouraging because, Uh like, I almost think that my birth could have gone really differently had we not done a cervical exam every hour because to be in 30 hours of productive labor where you're battling these contractions and then to be told you're only dilated to a two, it's like, that is so discouraging and it, it almost... It Almost makes you shut down a little bit to be like, oh, maybe this is not going to work this way. Yeah, I would. Whereas if you would just (laughs) kind of like, yeah, relax and let Mm -hmm. that progress. But there are some women out there who might be like, I really want to know where I'm at, and that's totally fine. fine. But I think we're just kind of advocating on the other end of like, they're not necessary, like, you don't, and they don't tell you anything. They don't tell you anything. They really, because like Amanda said, it could change so quickly, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, you can regress and you can progress very quickly. So, So If opting out is something you want to do, just have
1: it on your written birth plan that you hand the staff when you get into the hospital. I politely opt out of vaginal exams Mm
0: -hmm.
1: unless medically necessary. And then you can consult with me.
0: Um, yeah, like maybe if you reach a point in labor where you're like asking, for I it. need to know <laughs> yeah. if this is going <laughs> what anywhere. What is happening? <laughs> you know, that's a good thing to just be like, okay, yeah, you can check me now. But yeah. every hour is, I mean, I don't know if that's typical, but that's about what I, no, where that's I was at. Pretty um, typical
1: if you're in a hospital. Yeah. Even when I was at the birthing center, and if you have listened to my my story, you know that my midwife pressured me to do vaginal exams, even though she knew I was sexually abused, and that was something that really made my body feel yeah. scared. Yeah. Um, and I was. So a people pleaser during labor i was just like okay instead of just saying no um and that really affected my labor that's what made everything take a downturn was when she checked me so Mm -hmm. i don't know just you need to be in tune with yourself to know Mm -hmm. if you go to the ob and you get a pap smear and you feel nauseous afterwards (laughs) or like you feel your Mm -hmm. pelvic floor is a rock or
0: you're uncomfortable
1: maybe you're somebody who wouldn't like it yeah totally. that's a good clue that is yeah that
0: is a good clue and even if pap smears don't bother you and you just are more like I I know I'm going to get in my head if this doesn't constantly progress Mm -hmm. Um, because stalling during labor is so normal and so natural and it it is going to happen and it's okay and it's not a sign that you're in your baby's in distress or it's not working it's just your body giving itself a break and it's it's going to be okay but I think having that um you're two centimeters right now and then four hours later you're still Mm -hmm. two centimeters Um, pending anything going on with the baby's heart rate or anything, that could just be how your body's progressing. Yeah, and and
1: you just said something that made me think. Um,
0: (laughs) And it's in a birth plan. So when we talk about birth plans, we can skip this part.
1: But having continuous monitoring. Yeah not which we might not
0: have the option for oh
1: i've already looked into it and i can refuse treatment i don't i do they cannot force me to do it i will just keep taking it off yeah um because what happens when you're in labor Mm -hmm. and your uterus contracts your baby's heart rate decreases yeah it's just that's totally normal that is
0: because they are experiencing a level of stress it's like (laughs) the way that i think of it it's like it's like a wave when you're in the ocean a wave is like hitting your baby and then they come up for a break and they're like okay that was what was that and then another wave comes but they're having breaks in between to recover. Yeah. And I think having a provider who's a, who's evidence-based to be able to say, "Yes, your baby's heart rate is going to a uh, decel yeah. after each contraction, but as long as it recovers and we're still making progress between each one, it's okay." Yeah. Because they're I mean, just like our heart rates are changing while we're in labor and we, you know, if we had a continual like monitoring of our heart rate i'm sure it would be like increasing increasing with each contraction Mm. and then like taking a break and increasing the same with our blood pressure and same with like so it's you know it's information that you don't necessarily like you can't do a lot with no and what happens your baby's heart rate will decrease yeah and what happens when it's
1: continuous is that your provider could start really paying attention to the pattern and then say your baby's in distress we need to c-section now which is kind of what happened to me um when i was in the hospital a hospital they did let me labor overnight with pitocin epidural and then by the morning i think i was just done um but his heart rate was decreasing every Mm -hmm. time there was a pitocin surge so Mm -hmm. they're like okay i think we need to go on a c-section and i you know and, and that's just a cascade of the cascade of intervention starts with external fetal monitoring or internal fetal monitoring continuous so you can request on your birth plan to have intermittent monitoring but something that you need to remember as a birthing woman as the person who's delivering this baby is that you did not lose your right to refuse treatment just because you became pregnant yeah. so if they like because jesse and i are shooting for a v-back the hospital i'm going to says oh we have to have continuous fetal monitoring it can be external it can be mm-hmm. wireless um, i'm just going to take it off they can keep coming yeah. in and putting it back on to check me every once in a while for intermittent intermittent monitoring but I'm not going to allow it. And yeah. it's your body. It's your choice. They can't force you into anything. You're willing to take their risk, the risk that <laughs> that they're trying to monitor, which I don't even understand. Um, well,
0: the, I'll, I'll talk about the risk really quick, because I feel like it's, it's rare, but it happens where, and it's not an emergency. Um, so I should just preface it with that. But sometimes what can happen is your baby can get very wrapped up in its cord. Um, I also, before I even get into that, want to say, a third of babies will come out with a nuchal cord, yeah. which means it's oxygen. wrapped around their neck. And it's it's completely fine. They don't need oxygen. And in a lot of situations, it's actually your baby um, using, like you have a long cord, and your baby is wrapping itself in it to prevent cord prolapse, which is an emergency. Yeah. And so it's actually kind of cool. Like your baby is working with your body and saying like, Okay, we're gonna do this, and it's like I feel like it's God's way of like protecting a lot of times from cord prolapse because like that is an that is an imminent emergency. So I just think like nuchal cords have come off as like very scary, but they're yeah. a, in a third of babies, and it's very normal. And your midwife or your OB will see that and pull it over their face, yeah. and they it'll just be pull it over. totally fine. So many videos um, just but the the thing about continual fetal monitoring that you would the information you would receive is if you know, say you're not progressing at all and it's been like 10 hours and you're at three centimeters, um, your baby could have done the same thing with a shorter cord and is actually unable to descend, um, and having the monitoring of their heart rate will tell you a little bit of information about that. Um, but once again, it's one of those things that like, am I going to have more peace, about being, because I know people who are like, I loved listening to my baby's heart heart rate the whole time I was in labor. It was like very calming. It made me feel very at peace. Um, So if that's you, then that is so great. And if you're like, well, I don't want to be scared about the D-cells and I don't want to hear those, you know, and I don't know if my doctor is going to freak me out about that, then yeah, like Amanda said, there's other options. There's, um, I know there's wireless monitors, even if you're like, I just don't want to be attached to my bed. Um, some hospitals have the wireless ones but just so you know the full spectrum of information and you're able to like make that decision um, I think there's you know as long as they're checking in on your baby's heart rate throughout labor most babies tolerate labor totally fine Um, I think there's like a very small percentage of them that don't and that would be maybe the situation where they're like okay your baby's like acting up a little and we need to like you know just pay closer attention to them but yeah. um that's rare yeah. so but I, I you know i think we're always just advocating
1: for you to look into why they do things yeah because not i think hospitals are very liability oriented and also very they see the worst case scenarios sometimes um but most births are not worst case scenarios those are the rare ones um so I, I just also think that VBAC is not a reason to be continuously monitoring me. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think there's
0: a lot of, yeah, I think there's a lot of providers who agree with that. And mm-hmm. so, like, once again, you know, we've talked about that before, but finding providers that are evidence base is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently was speaking to a midwife, and I just want to share this really quick because it just, like, gives you an idea of some of the stats that you might hear like thrown out there that sound really scary, um, but you need to keep things in like very contextual. So she was saying like people will say your risk of uterine rupture triples if you have a scar across your uterus from a previous cesarean. Well your your risk of uterine rupture if you've never had a cesarean is 0.5%. So if that triples, it goes up to 1.5%. <laughs> so like you need to keep things contextual because like people could throw things out there. Yeah, but your uterine rupture risk is now three times. Okay, well, 1.5%. Yeah, I mean, three that did triple, but like we got to look at it from a whole perspective. Um, and then one more thing about fetal monitoring and then we can move on. Um, the internal fetal monitor is something that I would have you guys look up because I don't know that people really know Um, what happens with an internal fetal monitor but it is a small screw that is placed in your in your baby's skull really Um, yes so look up what that looks like because that is the one that goes inside of you and attaches to your baby's head Mm -hmm. and they might say that if like your baby's heart rate isn't being consistently picked up by the external monitors or um, you know something like that but I think you have to have it though if you have an epidural I don't think you have an option for internal fetal monitoring if you have an epidural. Oh, interesting. So I don't know. Maybe look that up. Ask your provider if that's something they use at their hospital. That's what all I'm seeing on Google right now. Um, But there might be one that like sections to their head or something more safe than that. Um, And I'm sure it doesn't like, it's just something to know. know, Because it's just one of those things where you want to know the full spectrum of what's going on. And I feel like the more that you know, the less fear that you have because you just feel more empowered to like have the full spectrum of information going into every decision yeah so that's really our heart it's like not to be like and this is scary and this is scary and this no. it's just like we just want you to be able to make a full spectrum decision yeah
1: most people don't aren't educated when they go to the hospital because our providers don't educate us which is really unfortunate
0: um and we I th- and they don't have the time to like they no. have like a hundred patients that they see like weekly so how are they going to sit down and prepare you personally every time like that j- like they j- you know they won't there are maybe some providers that will sit with you and have that conversation, but I think more often than not, they're going to expect that you're kind of either looking into that or that you're just kind of trusting their lead. Yeah, um, most of them are just expecting that you trust their. Lead. Right. <laughs> you start asking questions. I mean, like, why are we talking about? This? Yeah. I remember, like, <laughs> I remember after we scheduled my induction, I was so uneasy about it. I scheduled two appointments with my OB in one week just to go in and talk with her a little yeah. bit more about what that process would look like and if she was sure that this was the route we needed to take Mm -hmm. and each each meeting was like three minutes long and she was like yep this is what i think like yep this is what (laughs) and i just didn't feel like i got any additional information that i was looking for but i think there are some providers who will sit with you and really hear you out and talk to you we're not saying doctors are evil no (laughs) some doctors are just that i they're just busy they just it's not in their scope of like time management to sit in like educate everyone on birth it's just not and that's okay that's not what they are there for yeah but um let's get into
1: some like preparing your mind and body for labor and like programs and books and resources for birthing now this is important even if you are planning an epidural maybe not if you're going in for a c-section which it could be because i think c-sections go so much better like if you're scheduling a c-section it goes so much better if you are in labor first if your yeah. baby has actually decided hey i'm actually ready to be birthed i think you're gonna have a much easier time so i think anybody should be doing this um but programs and books so the first book i recommend to any pregnant woman i used to when i was in practice i would give all of my moms this book um, when they came to me and signed on for their care plan was ina may's guide to I childbirth you were Say that because <laughs> it is so good it is a really so good book. ina may do you know yes ina may Gaskin and her husband, he's actually a cult leader. <laughs> Did you know that?
0: Oh my gosh, I didn't know no, that.
1: No, the farm. How has she
0: not been canceled? I don't know.
1: The farm, well, it was called a cult, but it was like hippies. Not like religion. Oh, I see, I see. And there was no Kool-Aid That's involved. That's different. But they they call it the farm. And she, like, <coughs> revol... Sorry, <I> just <laughs> choked on my...
0: <coughs> choked on my spit.
1: She revolutionized um, birth. Um, and every midwife you talk to will tell you to get this birth. So this, bur- this book, the first... Third of it is just literally birth stories, which is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the last two thirds, I so I treat it as two separate books, and I told all my patients to do that too. The second two thirds of it is literally just going through what birth is, like mm. what hormones are in control of it, what does your anatomy do, like what can you expect. It also goes <coughs> through like interventions, um, which I think, and it's still so pertinent mm. today, even though it was probably written in the 80s. Um, it, it talks about like what pitocin does to your baby what um she calls them um synthetic prostaglandins but we call that cytotech today mm-hmm. um what that does to your baby? I mean, it's just it's so much information i really recommend it to everybody so you actually know one what to expect by reading birth stories mm-hmm. two what to expect by reading the anatomy and physiology of birth mm-hmm. in a way that is like conducive to like a normal person reading it
0: yes and also if you're pregnant right now i'm really excited for you to tune into our next series that just reminded me with the birth Mm -hmm. stories because I have I think like eight or nine women lined up that have very empowering birth stories and I think that hearing birth stories is one of the best ways to get your mind and your body prepared and to just feel so empowered to remind yourself like okay women do this and they've gone before me and they're giving me these gold nuggets of information that I can take in my back pocket and carry into my labor and delivery. Yeah.
1: And something also when we're talking about um, just like preparing your mind and we're going through these resources, it is so important for you to safeguard information because when you are pregnant, everybody wants to tell you their horror story um this is not a time where you need to be hearing horror stories this is not a time you go listen to jesse and my birth story um, i was gonna say we were the ones telling horror stories. yeah that was our birth trauma series so if you've experienced birth trauma and you need something to relate separate to in series. postpartum, yeah you can go there um uh, but you know if someone is dumping their crap on you you can say if someone's dumping their crap on you you need to separate that in your mind that is that really sucks for them that is not my story.
0: Well, it's a time in your life to protect your space yes. and to protect your heart, guard your mind. Um, you really want to be speaking life over your process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and inundating yourself with fear and worst case scenarios not cool. is not what you need. <laughs> Especially because you likely are somebody, I'm just going to take a guess, if you're anything like me, you already have those worst case scenarios and fears that you're fighting against in your own mind. You don't need to add to that. So it's perfectly okay for you to remove yourself from situations where there are scary stories being shared. It's perfectly okay to say out loud, guys, I don't think that this is a good conversation for my heart right now yeah. with where I'm at. I really like <laughs> need to protect my mind from my from my birth coming up. Um, I think that's totally fine. Or you can just empathize and be like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like, I really hope that's not my story. And you just kind of nip it in the bud. Yeah. Um, I've done that a lot even just in the realm of motherhood with all of the like just wait, <laughs> yeah. just wait, just wait, just wait. I oh, just co-sleeping say.
1: co-sleeping is the worst. Everyone has some <laughs> crazy story to tell you. Yeah, like... oh well if
0: you want if you want co-sleeping horror stories, oh my gosh. you can go onto one of my reels that went viral. <laughs> you are so mean. And I posted this video of Sunny and I in bed and it was the most precious video in the whole world. And I would say, you know what's funny, is like 85% of the comments are people like, I did this too. It's the sweetest thing. But there's like 15% where I was like, wow, I'm glad you don't care if your baby dies. All this (laughs) stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. But I say to other women who say, just wait to me with all the things first it was just wait until you have your baby and you can't sleep. Just wait until they're a toddler and they don't listen to you now. It's just wait till they're a teenager. And I say, I'm so sorry that was your experience. I'm really hopeful it's not going to be mine. Yeah. And you just nip it in the bud and you, you maintain your hope and you speak life over your situation and yeah. your process. Do you know, there's this trend <clears throat> on Instagram right now that I really love. And it's like
1: of a pregnant mom and she's saying... You think that being pregnant with a toddler is hard? Just wait. And then she goes to the next clip, and it's like, just wait until they start holding hands. Just wait until big brother or sister is the only one that can calm them down. And it's like... We need more of that yeah. in motherhood. I think that was our intention behind starting our page at all was just like mm-hmm. more hope in motherhood and yes. more joy because there is enough. Like I, I hear people say it all the time. Like I'm so happy our generation doesn't lie about motherhood anymore. We destroyed
0: motherhood. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute, yeah, we've made we it seem it. like it's the
0: biggest burden that you need yes. wine to be able to survive it. So and-
1: don't listen to those people. We do lie about motherhood mm-hmm. because if you are mentally wanting mentally prepared and spiritually you're like wanting to be a mother you are going to love your job every single day yes
0: one thousand percent um and surround yourself like I always say this but it's so important to surround yourself with people who have a similar mindset about where you're trying to go Mm -hmm. like I there's a quote that says show me the top five people you spend your time with and I'll show you where you're headed in life because the people you spend your time with have no neutral effect on you like they either are dragging you down or they're bringing you up there's no neutral effect so you find friends that love being moms and that speak life over their process and they don't sit in their crap for longer Mm -hmm. than they need to and just like see the good things in life and so I think like you know this, yeah. Like Amanda said, that was our heart behind starting this. Is like, there's enough warnings about all these things—labor, yeah. delivery, motherhood—but um, let's talk about all that can happen yeah. if we can shift our perspectives yeah. and really prepare our hearts. So, anyways, anyways that was a little <laughs> a, <laughs> a little a tangent. tangent,
1: but uh, but I keep going on the the um, resources and things. So we had yeah. a lot of questions in the question box we posted on Instagram about. Hypnobirth versus pain free yes. birth. Um, I'm still taking the pain free birth. I'm about halfway through it. It's so much information. Yeah, you
0: should just give, give us a rundown on like each of their philosophies they're so very that they similar. know kind of like what. They're,
1: they're very similar. They just have different teaching methods. So, hypnobirthing. Um, you go into the class or you get the book um, and it talks about a lot about the physiology and the anatomy of birth, which I think every woman needs to know. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about ways to control your mind during birth. So when they talk about hypno birthing it's literally just controlling your own thought process while you're birthing they do it through um like their big their most popular one is like the rainbow method so it's like putting different colors to each body part and while you're in a surge you're like going through the different colors and you're you're speaking life into each part of your body and it is really beautiful and isn't
0: there like a christian hypno birthing course i'm not
1: sure i took it through a, a doula um, at the birthing center with noah and like, i really But did you think it was it. like wonky at all or did you think it was like okay no I thought it was great. Okay, I, I think the name is misleading because you're not like it is too you're like, not being you hypnotized? hypnotized. You're not being you're you're just meditating while I haven't, you're. I in haven't a done
0: any of these, so I'm just letting Amanda educate me, even because yeah. I haven't taken any courses. But the
1: thing with hypnobirthing is, um, you're gonna get whatever teacher you get. You could just get the book Mm -hmm. if you get i do recommend you get the book and you read through the book because i think there are some really really great tidbits of information on how to stay calm there the pain-free birthing can you look up what her name is yeah
0: i feel like
1: the pain-free birth course is by a doula let me get her name so i don't butcher it and her instagram page is literally just pain-free birth Mm -hmm. the coolest stories. Karen Welton. Karen Welton. Wilton. Karen Wilton. So the thing I like about this is that it is a course that you can access whenever you want. You can do it whenever you want. And you have lifetime access to it. And it's going to be the same because she's teaching it to you. And isn't she a Christian? Yes. Yeah. So it is very Christian based. She prays yeah. over you in every single, um, every single little episode, not episode, uh, course module. But it is literally, she does this, it, it's very similar. She's going through, um, She's going through the anatomy and physiology of birth, so you understand it, the different hormones. She's teaching you how to like access those hormones, how to stay relaxed, how to control your mind, yeah. um, different prayers and affirmations, uh, d- different ways to release. The thing I like about her course so far is that she's talking about taking care of your trauma before you give birth. Mm. Um, how Check. Tra- yeah. How <laughs> trauma can affect like the way you birth. She's going to tell you like what to expect in terms of feelings and then how to combat those emotions that come up or the feelings that come up the physical and sensation of of labor and i think she does a really good job of describing what labor feels like Hmm. and giving you ideas of what to expect during each phase of labor and then how to control your brain to not panic and like actually achieve excitement and ecstasy during birth because birth her whole part you know her whole course is like birth does not have to be painful are you going to experience some pain yeah the Mm -hmm. ring of fire is a thing as the baby comes out yeah that might not be your favorite part but leading up to that point it does not have to be painful Mm. and I would say hypnobirthing prepared me for that when I was laboring at home, and when I was laboring in the birthing center, I'll tell anybody, I don't think birth was, or laboring was painful. I would describe it as intense. Yeah, There was a lot going on, and I had to be very inward and be concentrating, but I think hypnobirthing did prepare Mm me for that. The thing that hypnobirthing didn't prepare me for, that I think this course is preparing me for, is how to physically relax my body. Mm -hmm. Like She's giving me ways to practice now while I'm pregnant to just completely relax in the midst of these intense
0: surges or whatever. Mm. Um, Aren't there like certain vowels that you can like hum that like Oh, yeah, physically... and she goes through all of that. Yeah. Like any kind
1: of deep moaning. Um, mm-hmm. She goes through like different things you can say to like mm-hmm. kind of access that deep relaxation and labor. So I just yeah. – I would really recommend She also talks – she also gives birth stories in there. Her own birth story is amazing. Mm. Um, and like I said, every module um, – I think it's 10 hours – of information. Which do you is know the that.
0: Do you know the pricing for each off the top of your head by chance? No, it's
1: just one. You buy the whole package, and I think it was four ninety. Is that for pain free or the hypno? Oh, pain free. Hypno is going to depend on who your teacher is. Okay. You could just get the book on Amazon. Honestly, I was I'm saying. I'm reading hypno birthing again. Um, just reading the book, and then I'm taking this pain free birth course. The pain free birth course I want to say is close to five hundred dollars, but guys, I think it's so worth it. Yeah. And she has a whole workbook in there, um, and. Like different activations. So at the end of each module, she's like giving you homework. Hmm. Like, oh, it's like something to do to think about and like prepare your mind for labor. So I think that they are both infinitely great. But I would say you could get the information just from reading the book.
0: Would you recommend kind of like a combo? Of the two, or do you feel do you feel like the pain free birth course would cover what you I would think need? the pain free birth course covers okay. what you need? Honestly, yeah. so if you're looking to do like one route, that's the one yeah. that you would be like, do this I would.
1: One. Unless you are somebody who is very practiced in meditation, I don't have the attention span to sit there and meditate. I have. I know you build up to that. Like you right. start slow and you build up whatever. That's fine. It's not something I've practiced, so it's not something that's super resourceful to me. And when I got into labor with Noah, that all went out the window. Mm. Um, I was able to relax my body a li- you know, enough. Um, and I was able to kind of like mentally understand that this isn't pain. Yeah. I don't need to be scared. But then the second my trauma hit me, <laughs> mm. um, all of that went out the window. So I think pain-free birth for mental preparation and pain control is going to be your best bet. It's really great. Yeah. It's really, and worth everything. That's penny. awesome.
0: And I know a lot of you were asking us kind of more information about that. So hopefully we covered yeah. what you needed to know. Yeah. Um, but feel free to message us and Amanda will get back to you mm-hmm. um, about any more specific questions because yeah. I know that that can be a lot of money for some people yeah. to spend and 100%. you want to make sure that that's something that you want. Yep. We will help you DM through that.
1: or email us, whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, um, but other books,
1: The Bradley Method is really, really great, especially mm-hmm. if you're not going, if you can't hire a doula. Mm-hmm. We did have some, um, like, I forget, I was doing a Q&A and they were like, what if I can't afford a doula? I would really recommend you and your husband Um, getting the Bradley Method book and it is all about like how your husband can support you through labor Um, different things that he can be saying different things he can be doing like positions he can be putting you in counter pressure like all of that I think it's really great
0: yeah I would also say if you can't afford a doula a little like loophole that you could look into is certifying like a friend or a family yeah. member that you feel really comfortable around. I said that around. on the story, like, I'll be you your did. friend. I did. I said, I'll be your friend to come um, be your Because du- <laughs> somebody, like, if somebody, say you have, like, a really close friend that you feel so safe around, and they are really educated in the realm of birth. And they have a big mouth and will advocate for you. Yeah, like, just find one of those people and be like, hey, would you, is there any way that you would, like get certified to be a doula for my birth or like it's a very um i'm pretty sure it's just an online program you can access you know just Um, maybe ask a doula because what kind of
1: credentials are they providing i don't know that
0: do you have to be certified i remember i know to be a
1: doula you need to be certified
0: so yeah to be a doula you need to be certified because i remember during covid they were only allowing my husband in and if he were to have a fever he wouldn't. He wasn't gonna be allowed to be there, even if it wasn't COVID. So crazy, terrifying. Was I so <laughs> I literally quarantined him. I'm like, you're not going anywhere for like yeah. five weeks before my birth. I was like, please don't go anywhere. I need you when Ugh. I'm there. Um, but then also, I had a doula who was also my aunt, um, and she needed a certification. Like they they asked for like very specific credentials in order for her to come in. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that crazy anymore? Like no. I, I think people are Most allowed in first now. Most hospitals even
1: don't have any visitation, especially right now cuz right now when we're reco- when we're recording this it's May and flu season. Yeah. I'm putting that in air quotes. Flu season is not a yeah. thing right now. So like there are no Any hospital that I've looked at in Colorado has no visitor restrictions.
0: Okay. So you could even, I mean, like, I would do this for any of my friends. That's maybe why I'm volunteering your friends. (laughs) If they asked me to, like, read a book or do a course and, like, come support them during labor, I would 1000% do Mm -hmm. that. So um, that's another option if you can't afford it, because I know that that is another expense on top of delivering. And that's not something everyone can afford. But like Amanda said, it is worth it if you can splurge a little bit and, um, really create that safe space for you yeah um but other things oh go for it yeah sorry
1: there's a couple (laughs) to finish up books so we talked about ina may's Guide to childbirth we talked about pain uh sorry we talked about hypnobirthing book i think is great um oh gosh it literally just slipped my mind what am i doing oh My doula recommended the book, and I haven't read it, but recommended the book Home Birth at the Hospital. So if you're trying to do natural birth at a hospital, that's a great one. And then something I actually just ordered on Amazon um, that was recommended in the Pain-Free Birth Course, if you're a sexual abuse survivor, is When the Survivor Gives Birth. Hmm. And that, gosh, I wish I would have been more uh, self-aware whenever I got pregnant with Noah because I would have (laughs) probably... experience much different labor and delivery but sexual abuse survivors do need to be aware that your body uh, will probably go into fight or flight when your pelvic floor is engaged so mentally Mm. preparing for that with with therapy and with you know books um, like your body keeps the score very important Um, in terms of books I think that those are my my top ones
0: that yeah that's great that's good information to have just hop on Amazon and Mm -hmm. order what you think you'd want to read. You want to talk about birth plans real quick and then um, we'll get on to Yeah, I was gonna just offer up my Oh really birth quickly. Yeah. Um so just a little I know Amanda touched on like some things to keep you comfortable while you're at the hospital and while you're at home, um, birthing playlists. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to volunteer my birthing playlist on Spotify. It's public. Um and if you want the link or the screenshot of where to find that, you can message us. Um there are like I think 20 hours of songs wow. on there <laughs> and yeah. they're all worship songs. So also know that if that's something yeah. that you want, um, bring like,
1: you need to activate all of your senses when you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So lighting, we talked about
0: hearing, yeah, getting, you can music. get, it's actually really common to get like twinkle lights or something yes. to decorate your room, put your um, birth affirmations up for, don't sight. feel like you're being like, too much, and I only say that because I would need to hear that. Like, <laughs> don't feel like you're being, you know, too bougie or high maintenance. Like, this is your space yeah. to welcome your baby into the world. Like, bring the lighting, bring the affirmation cards. Yeah. You know, um, bring your comfy bedding, bring your whatever yes, you bring your need. own pillow, one hundred percent bring your yeah. pillow.
1: And then also like um, sense. So bring your favorite oil or yeah. your or candle. Yeah, we
0: had a diffuser that was really yeah that was really nice. Just like a little one, you yeah. can order those on Amazon. Anything you can do to create a space that you feel safe in. Yeah. Do it. Yeah.
1: And <clears throat> who cares if somebody thinks you're too much.
0: <laughs> and honestly, like little tangent too, side tangent. Um you don't need as much as you think you do at the hospital. Mm. <laughs> um I think if it's fun for you to like pack a whole hospital bag and everything, like do that. Um but I was naked almost the whole time I was there. Sunny Sunny was like in her diaper the whole time. You know, don't so don't stress like, about it. Just, just don't. don't stress and and about it. And they have all yeah. the all the things. It's not obviously gonna be like yeah your what you might have at home but like if you would rather just kind of bring yourselves like you'll be taken care of
1: yeah 100 percent in my birth in my hospital bag that i have packed i have comfy clothes for me which Mm -hmm. i bought off kindred bravely because they made me feel excited Yes, (laughs) like my own hospital gown nursing bras um comfy joggers Yeah, like a tank and then i've got like my daughter's clothes that I want to take pictures of her in. Yeah. I'm packing my camera. I have a little sign for like a birth announcement. Yes. I have chapstick.
0: Um like a long foam cord I've heard yeah, is really a helpful. Long foam cord. Honestly shower shoes because I'm like such a germaphobe yeah. that I like just please never be barefoot in a hospital (laughs) even if you're not a germaphobe just like please don't be barefoot in a hospital
1: but like things that other things that would make you comfortable like I cannot I will not go to sleep without washing my face like so all of my face products are going to be in there Mm -hmm. you know what I mean just like things that are going to make you feel like you're at home Mm -hmm. but you don't need to go above and beyond yeah cozy socks yeah Nipple cream would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even think they have that. Yeah, they do, but it's not natural. So if you're crunchy right. like me, I'm bringing my own nipple cream and my own perineal um, sprays and pads because I don't yeah. want – and I'm bringing my own diapers. I know they say, don't bring your diapers because they have pampers there, mm-hmm. but um, that's a whole other thing that we won't talk get into. But I'll bring yeah. my own things. All of my own things that are going to touch my body, I'm bringing to make sure they meet my standards.
0: Yeah. Whatever you need. Um, um but I, I know we're kind of jumping around. Should we talk a little bit about how to choose the right doula, if that's something that you do? Want I think yeah. If do? you
1: can afford a doula, get a doula. And I'll so transparently we live in Colorado, um, which is a very expensive state. I think it's top three in yeah. the nation. Um, and I the doula I hired, I hired a higher packet. Okay. This is Lucina, Lucina Rising, Rising. Birth, birth work. work. Yes. They have like five providers with them yes they have a ton and each one of them specializes in something different Mm -hmm. and then they offer different packages so um the packages that I can remember their first package was like one prenatal visit and then their your birth and it's like 12 hours um and then it charges by hour after that the package I went with was two prenatal visits birth and like some postpartum hours Mm -hmm. so and then they even love got the fancier. postpartum yeah. hours I
0: actually just interviewed with them the other day and yeah. I was like I will take you up on your Chunkiest postpartum package. Yes, do it. She was like, I just want to be in your house and like cook you meals yes. and clean. Was and it Harut? Yes, she's so freaking sweet. I like fell in love with. her. I could not pick Harut and Carly and Madison. I fell in love with her. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I've known you forever. Like she yes. was just so warm. She was so sweet with Sunny. Like, on the I want call. her to take care of me. Oh my gosh! Yes. And she was like, I just I'll make you muffins. I'll clean your house. I'll do. Your-. I was like, Yeah, I'll take. Can care you baby move in you with me? <laughs>
1: but um, the package I picked was thirteen. 13- in some change 1300 some change so um just so you have like a price gauge of Mm -hmm. what a doula might cost and like i said and the postpartum package is like an additional yeah yes Mm -hmm. it's separate so um i just i i really you should have an idea i think a a doula everybody should have a doula and i think a second time moms are gonna tell you that because if your birth didn't go the way you wanted it to a doula probably could have fixed that for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless it was like a a true medical Mm -hmm. emergency um so i really recommend interviewing some doulas what did it for me was i i interviewed these three doulas i loved all of them so freaking dearly and i'm like what am i gonna do and then i started interviewing this third one and she just like was so straight up like yeah don't birth there (laughs) you know what i mean like there was no um i don't know it wasn't I just felt like she would be the person that I'm in the hospital, and she would be like, "Absolutely, you're not. You're not going to go talk yeah. to her about that." Um, and that's what I need because I didn't feel like I could voice my my wants and my needs when I was in the hospital in the birthing center with Noah. So that was what was important to me. Yeah. But maybe when you were in labor, or if you're worried <laughs> about like comfort measures, you need someone who's going to be very motherly, very comforting, very like hands
0: on. I know, I feel pain. like that's kind of what I need because yeah. I I feel like I've become someone that can advocate for myself, yeah. but I feel like I need more of like, yeah, like a motherly presence yeah. that will like just talk me down yeah. and just be like, it's okay, you're okay. Yeah. Like just kind of like
1: more of that. They also have, um, like if you're a woman of color, it is more dangerous to birth in our country. The stats yeah. there are not cool. So they also have somebody that specializes in that. Like mm. that's her passion. Mm-hmm. So you can go, like if you're fine, if you find, um, like a doula company that you really love, like a practice and they have different um, doula's like just read their bios because they're gonna yeah. tell you like what they're passionate about and yeah. if it matches
0: your passions, I think that's great. Yeah, and did it? Did you interview everyone in person or did you do phone calls? It was like all video calls. Okay. Yeah, I think you'll just kind of you kind of get a sense for like you what you need. Like Amanda said, she she really figured out what she needed in that situation. Yes. Um. Let's we're running a little bit out of time. Let's jump to birth plans. Yeah, and we don't have to talk long about it because we have one. Yes. You mm-hmm. have
1: so many options when it comes to giving birth. Mm-hmm. So many options and. I think we forget that in the
0: society that pregnant women don't lose their voice just because they're pregnant. Well, I just also really quickly, not to cut you off, I also just want to preface the birth plan conversation with if you're somebody that laughs at birth plans and thinks like this is such a joke, you can't plan labor, blah, 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 blah. I've heard that so many times. If you're a nurse who laughs at birth plans, um, that's fine. You don't need one. You don't need to use one. Um, But this is a method of a woman trying to convey her desires in bringing her child into the world, and obviously she knows that it might not go according to you. You don't need to remind her that it might not go according to plan, she knows that. She's not saying this is exactly how it's gonna go, she's saying this is if I can have a say, which I want to have a say, these are the things that I'd prefer not to do. These are the per- things I prefer to yeah. do, so that she's not having to answer a million questions during this process, yeah. and she's not having to remind five different people of what she needs. So just if like if you are that person, that's fine. Be that person. Keep it. You to don't yourself. need. To, keep it to yourself. They're real crabby like, with you. Real freaking. There fast. are people <laughs> that are more type A, like Amanda and I, who would rather have something on paper going I into control. the hospital. yeah,
1: yeah. Because when you're in the moment, you can't, it's hard to voice your opinion. Yeah. Um, and you need a birth plan, whether you're going in for a planned cesarean, whether you're at a home, because yeah. there, there's always the chance of transfer. And if you don't have that piece of paper and you're transferring from home, yeah. you are stressed out. Right. And your husband is doing his best to keep you comfortable and happy. And <laughs> neither one of you, are. that is mm-hmm. not at the forefront of your mind and you're going to lose your voice a little bit. So I would recommend, I know I would recommend every single woman giving birth have a written birth
0: plan and have it in a bag so and, that okay, you can grab. Also, and take it. Also, it's kind of like a fun thing to make. It is well, and it's most like, people it gets don't you know kind their of choices. Excited. Yeah, like you have a lot of options. You have a lot
1: of options. You don't have to be strapped to a bed. Your kid right. doesn't have to have the eye goop. You don't. Right. You don't have to. Like, you. You can labor in the tub. Like yeah. there are so many options, and if you don't know what they are, then you don't know how to make like the birth that you want. So yeah. get onto uh, the link in our bio, or you can reach out to us via email at team at the motherhoodcollectiveco.com I will get you that birth plan. It is literally just a bunch of empty boxes uh, or like checked boxes that you can check. I want this. I want this. I want this. And just hand it to your provider. Yeah. It's so easy, but I think it's like, it's like it.
0: also it, it's one of those things that can't hurt can only help. Mm-hmm. So just if that's something that even minorly sparks your interest, yeah, just, just go, go do download it. that and fill it out. And it's like, if anything going to get you really excited for labor, and meeting your baby. Yeah, so I think it's really fun. Um, Let's jump into some questions we yeah. had from our followers. Most of
1: the questions were about the pain-free birth course versus hypnobirthing, which we yeah, covered. Yeah, almost all of them, except um, a couple. And we talked about pain methods. What pain methods do you recommend? Oh, I will say most hospitals now, um, if you're doing a hospital birth or the birthing center, offer nitrous oxide, which yes. is laughing gas. Yes. It is not pain control. When people go in there expecting that to decrease their pain, um, they get disappointed. It is like mindset control because mm-hmm. it kind of, Decreases tension and anxiety, yeah. so it can make your birth less painful mm-hmm. if you're allowing it to work in the way that it's intended, um, which is to calm you down. Yeah. So that I guess we did, that's the only thing we really haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about epidurals. We've talked about some natural
0: ways to
1: help with labor pain but a um, lot of your
0: questions were about courses and about resources mm -hmm. and about how much things cost um we tried to cover all of that but this one says why do some women get so nauseous during labor i was vomiting with each contraction and it really surprised me your body like so birth is a very parasympathetic process it's rest or
1: digest you should be resting your mind should be clear you should be very calm in order for birth to go the way that god intended it which is smoothly Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when we hit fight or flight where our body feels like whoa this is too much you know and I feel like everybody gets to that point in labor regardless of how much you've prepared when your baby comes to the vaginal canal and it is like so intense you panic a little bit it's usually like that seven to ten centimeters yeah it's very very natural for your body to Mm -hmm. do that but our bodies are programmed that when we are in fight or flight it is only worrying about survival Mm -hmm. that's why a lot of times when you get into fight or flight you Fail to progress in labor because your body is like we're not birthing this baby, we are just surviving. Mm-hmm. But it is also why your body will eject any food from your body mm-hmm. um, because it is like we are not focusing on digesting food right now. We are not focusing on like, ridding ourselves of our bowel movements. Eject right now. Yeah. Um, so from everything I've learned in my and all of my courses is that is a panic moment. Um, even if you don't feel like your heart racing and you physically or mentally feel like you're panicking, your body could be physically panicking.
0: Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think there's also the option of like, you're just in a lot of pain or no?
1: But that is, you're, when your body's in a lot of pain, your body is going to go into fight or flight. And that's yeah. what's causing you to kind of throw up. Yeah. It's just focusing <clears throat> on getting rid of the pain. It's focusing on getting through the pain and it doesn't want right. to think about
0: digesting food. So it says yeah. out with all of the food. Um, and I will say on the flip side, to actually make that question even a little more positive, is that vomiting actually can progress labor dramatically <laughs> um i i had actually heard from my doula last time that like if you're vomiting or coughing it actually can help dilate your cervix and it can like shove your baby further into your birth canal um and there's been women who have vomited while they're pushing and their baby just comes flying out interesting um because it's almost like you're i mean it, it kind of makes sense because like when i was vomiting with my pregnancies i've lost control of my bladder before and it's like that kind of makes sense where you're just so focused on another area of your body that that one like completely relaxes. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, if you are vomiting during labor, just know like it might actually be helping you. Yeah. Um. Try to like you know, get some kind of. I don't know, like stay hydrated and try oh, to get also, something that will help you yes, stay like on that calm, same vein. I don't know, like how do you calm someone down that doesn't feel like they're panicking?
1: I don't
0: know. It's all it's <laughs> all like, mind I work. Actually don't I don't have advice I for I don't you. actually have advice for that either because I was the same way with Noah. I
1: was vomiting between every contraction and it was horrendous and mm-hmm. it, you know, you're getting rid of all the nutrients in your body while you're running a marathon and that's not good. Um, yeah. So something I will say is um, the reason why they don't want you to eat in labor is if for the very weird and small chance they have to put you under general anesthesia for mm-hmm. a C-section, which they don't do unless like something A crash
0: C-section only happens if your baby's heart rate is yes. like completely gone. Yes,
1: um, but even if or they have rupture, to put you yes. under anesthesia for a C-section, they they make you not eat in case you asphy- asphyxiate. Yeah, and I think the chances—I looked this up before. I should have written it down. The chances of as, as the chances of asphyxiating. Um, under general anesthesia even with food in your body is like 0.1 percent don't quote me on that you can look it up right now if you want to but yeah. it is ridiculously low and you know what if someone is in a car crash outside and they're eating a burger they're still going to put them under general anesthesia mm-hmm. and they're going to be just fine the yeah. risk of asphyxiating under general a- anesthesia with food in your system is incredibly low and that is not evidence-based practice anymore Well, and
0: emergency surgeries happen all the time without that's, the, what, I, yeah, the that's for, what i mean about the, the car accident yeah like yeah so that is not evidence based practice. So
1: I am sneaking food into the hospital, and I don't care if someone catches me eating. Yeah, um. I mean, I ate during
0: <laughs> I ate during my labor with Sunny, and I did puke my entire C section, and I was yeah. fine. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't knocked out, obviously, yeah. but um, just to give you a little idea, like. Yeah. But yeah, do the research,
1: up. and if you feel comfortable with that, um, bring snacks because you can bring even just like honey sticks can help your stomach. Um, peppermint gum if you're nauseous. Peppermint oil if you're nauseous and throwing up. Um, crackers like yeah any kind of like water. And I know they're gonna say like you can't have anything enter your mouth. Well, hmm.
0: but they will give you like Jello and ice chips, I think regardless. I don't know. I they did give me a bunch of jello and ice chips when I got Um, there they stuck
1: me on an IV and told me I couldn't have anything
0: okay yeah I mean I guess it just depends where you're going Mm -hmm. um and if you the last thing I'll say I know this is this is like a lot of stuff (laughs) to be like this and this and this and this and this (laughs) um yeah truly the last thing that I will say is because you just brought up ivs um if you're not getting an epidural um I wouldn't I wouldn't jump immediately to getting a bunch of IV fluids. That's in our
1: birth plan. I want
0: to hydrate myself, not do IV fluids. You can select that as a choice. Yeah, there's pros and cons to IV fluids, but if you don't need them and if you're not getting an epidural, um, it can actually like negatively impact how you feel um, in labor. Yeah, and you can just, (laughs) but you can also just get like very like bloated with water, like very full of water, especially if you're there for a long time. So, needing to pee a lot and peeing in labor is hard. Yeah. So I just wanted to yeah. add that in there cuz that was just a random thing. This is just like jumping all over the place, but I know you guys are here for the ride. <laughs> so thank you for following along. We did
1: along. have bullets for
0: this one. We just did them out of order. So it was just it was, it was just beneficial. unpredictable, you know? We just went with it. Um we've both had really long weeks, so just bear with us, but um that yeah we're so <laughs> yeah we're so grateful you guys are here and listening and we just like really hope and pray that your birth goes the way that you're planning for. Um please reach out with any questions that you have. We're happy to um answer any more or help you in any way that you need. If you're interested in hiring our doula mm-hmm. team, um please reach out to us as well and we will send you their information. Yeah. We are really here to make sure that you guys have what you need going into yeah. um having a peaceful and um memorable in the best ways kind of labor and And if you have a question please ask it because i will anonymously share the question on instagram and answer it for everybody else who's wondering the same thing
1: so we really love it when that happens
0: yeah um our next episode is going to be about miscarriage and loss and um pregnancy after pregnancy after that because that is the road to baby for a lot of people too so um stay tuned for that and we will see you guys next week Thank you for listening, and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children. And you are exactly where you need to be. See See you you next next week.
1: week.